Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. This podcast is sponsored by DJ Baird, Carpentry and Building Services. For more details, contact them via Facebook at djbaird.carpentry, email them at dan.baird at hotmail.com, or telephone them on 07904 738 993. Hello, this is Curtin. And you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck. Hey, what the actual fuckers. Welcome to episode 16 of WTAF, a This Country podcast. I'm here with the man who's next on the list to have a go on Martin Mucklow's Big Dipper. And he's just finished writing his latest love letter to Kerry. It's Neil! Hello, everybody. How are you? Hello, pal. Hello. It's nice to have you this side, mate. I know. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I don't weird. feel so much like a guest anymore. I know. Well, you are a guest. Anyway, <laughs> we have we have two very special guests uh, live on Skype. So, unfortunately, you can't see them. We can see them, but they look lovely. Hello, you two. Um, I'll give you a proper. <laughs> I'll give you a proper intro. Our guests this week are a husband and wife combo. Sally Hughes is a writer and broadcaster. She is also the author of two books: Pretty Honest, a witty, wise, and truthful beauty handbook for real women, and Pretty Iconic, a personal expert look at iconic, beautiful products of the past, present, and future from Britain's best and most trusted beauty writer. And two books that Neil so desperately needs. I, thank you. Next birthday. All right. I'll and we also we also have Dan Mayer, comedy writer and performer. He has a whole range of credits, including being part of the writing team on Harry Hill's TV Burp, writing episodes of Emmerdale, which we will ask him about, and teaming up with Charlie Brooker for various projects, including the spoof police show A Touch of Cloth. Welcome! Hello. Hello. It's so nice to speak to you. We're super chuffed to be here. This country's our favourite programme. Well, that's one thing we will delve in to talk about. Because one thing we wanted to do, not only being very lucky that we've spoken to the cast and we'll be speaking to some of the crew, to be able to speak to some people that are in the biz, in... uh, not commas, what's it called? Inverted commas. Thank you very much, inverted commas. But also people that are massive fans of the show. Now, when did you first hear about the show? 
I think we started we started watching it really early on, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I can't, I was trying to remember before. Uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't one of those things where loads of people were talking about it, mm. so I thought we must watch it. It was sort of earlier than that. I can't remember. I think we found it by accident, did we? I mean, we watched loads whether of telly. I just telly. sort of stumbled across it on BBC Three, or whether I saw a trailer. I can't actually remember. I don't remember either. But we definitely we, early adopters. We watched loads and loads of telly anyway. We are a telly family, and um, we we I think we found it by accident. But it was very early on. I certainly hadn't heard anybody talk no. about it yet. And then for the next few months, we were constantly telling people we knew to watch it. So when you first watched it, was there a part of you that thought that this was an actual documentary about people living in the Cotswolds? Or oh, I think we knew. No, I think, the context. Yeah, right. I think we knew from the audience. It wasn't stumbling on it like just switching on and it being in the middle of an episode. Yeah. I think we knew what we were watching. Right, OK. I think we knew, it was a, we knew it was a sitcom. We didn't... I remember after episode one sort of Googling and finding out that Daisy and Charlie were brother and sister and finding out that, you know, Martin was their yeah, dad. Was related, and, yeah, and we didn't know that much, but we did know we were watching a comedy. That, that's the Cotswolds for you, everyone <laughs> being related. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, did you... Is it something you've gone back to and watched again then, the first series? Yes. So we've rewatched uh, series one in the run up to series two. And also we were sort of um, we were really missing it. We were really desperate for it to come back. So we never took it off the sky planner so that we could dip in and out whenever we wanted. I've watched um, the Big Mandy episode in series one loads of times. I've watched that one loads. And you like um, Oven Space. space, Yeah. It's my favourite. So we've watched those loads of times, but yeah, we've 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 given it a full run through in advance of series two. So, as a comedy writer yourself, then Dan, how do you how do you view their style of writing and the mockumentary style that they've done? Uh, I think they use it really well. I mean, it's interesting because that mockumentary, the thing they're pastiching, is sort of almost it's pretty much gone. Um. The, the actual original form of what they're doing. Obviously, it dates back... I, I can remember watching The Office and thinking, even when The Office started, oh, this is a bit of an old idea. They're mm, mm. <laughs> astonishing um, fly-on-the-wall documentaries. Although people don't remember now, they think The Office kind of invented that parody. Actually, it had already been done a lot before even The Office was on. I think there were things like Operation Good Guys and things like that. I think mm. maybe... Data. I can't remember the chronology now. Lots of people have done sketches, spoofing that sort of thing. And so I can remember, it's a long time ago, even when The Office started, it felt quite, not tired, but it felt like quite a well-worn path. So obviously this is years later now. We've got a, a new show taking that same idea, taking that chassis of the, um, uh, of the, of the pastiche of that sort of uh, fly-on-the-wall thing. But the weird thing now is... The original isn't really around anymore because mm. documentaries now are all really constructed. They've, there's a totally new language and grammar on TV of those sort of the, things. There's not that purity to them anymore. No, they're all they're now. all really knowing. They're all really deliberate. You don't really get a pure, honest, naive documentary anymore. So it's quite it's interesting in a way that the thing that it's sort of pastiching is. It actually doesn't really exist anymore. Mm. I was going to say the one thing about the office was that everybody, pretty much everybody, could relate because they've worked in an office or they know people that yeah. work in the office. The one thing I can remember when we watched, I think we had Daisy and Charlie in when they'd done the the, the pilot had been. It was just the second episode. The second of the first episode. Series. And I wondered how it was going to 
translate to the rest of the country because when we watched it because we live in the time that it was originally supposed to be about we thought i know somebody like that i know somebody but i didn't know yeah. how it was going to relate to people in london or people up north i mean obviously it has because there's so many people all over the country that seem to like the program is that is that the sort of thing that you find quite easy to relate that you knew people like big mandy or yeah definitely so I, i'm from the south wales valleys and it's not that different right. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, you know there's lots of young people without jobs without anything much to do um who where everybody's in each other's business there are lots of kind of quite streetwise people um and then my dad was from lambourne so not so far from you and and so I'm quite sort of familiar with that part of the country. So I, I didn't find it at all unrelatable. I find um, urban things, although I've lived in an urban environment for a long time, in terms of young people, I can't really relate to the way young people in urban communities grow up because I'm from somewhere where, like, if, if you couldn't drive, you were buggers, you know. Yeah, you could, yeah. There's nothing you could do, and there was nothing to do except, you know, pick magic mushrooms and stand outside a chip shop, and there was just nothing to do where I grew up. So I completely understand it. You're from Newcastle, though. I don't. You're quite posh, though. Uh, yes, to I'm, from, I'm from North. Um, yes, we didn't have a television. No. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't say I relate to it that directly, or I sort of I grew up with characters like that. But I think if a character is well drawn and is honest. Mm. is drawn from life then you believe it it's you know it's like a piece of art or something you you could see a drawing of an animal that you've never seen before in your life it doesn't mean you won't believe that animal doesn't exist if it's well rendered and there's something honest about it i think that's true of any sort of art form i don't think i think relatability sometimes is overrated it's one of the things that comedy commissioners get sort of trip up over i think they become obsessed with relatability but I think if something is the, the counter argument to that that I would always use is um, Silicon Valley, which I think is a uh, have you watched? Do you know Silicon Valley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The American fantastic, show, yeah. Fantastic show, but it's a great example of how you can write about an environment in a world that people don't actually have to have any understanding of. Mm. That's that's a that's a, a comedy about software development and venture capitalism. Mm. And if you pitch that as a an idea to most commissioners they go well i don't people are going to relate to these people aren't going to understand it but if the characters and the relationships are relatable and are believable the environment doesn't really matter so i think that's you know i think they're such um you know kerry and curtin are such sort of honest characters that you root for and that you understand and you understand what motivates them that i don't think you necessarily have to grow up in that kind of environment or live in that kind of environment to understand them and feel for them and and root for them Mm. Well, talking to the characters, then, do you actually have a favourite character in the show? Oh, I, I, I just love Kerry and Curtin. I know that's yeah. like actually, I just think they're so, they're so lovable and and they're so warm, and I love their relationship with one another. And I mean, I love the, the, actually the thing I should say though about this country is it's, it's a bit like Friends insofar as no character is wasted. Every tiny character is brilliant. Like mm. every tiny character is a really well-rounded character. Yeah. So you feel like you know Len and Martin and Big Man slugs. You know, and Slugs. I love Slugs. <laughs> Like you feel like you know all those people, even if they're only in it for a couple of minutes, an mm. episode. The most like the vicar, what a brilliant character the vicar is. 
But the heart of it, I mean, also, Kerry's mum is like such a well-rounded character and you don't ever even see her and nor would you ever want to see her. Mm. But, but I do I do think that Kerry and Curtin has, have got so much heart. Yeah. They are just my favourites because I could just watch an episode with only them in. It'd be fine. Yeah, totally. Which was sort of what Office Space, Office Space, Oven, Oven Space, space <laughs> was all yeah. about, was the fact that it yeah. was just the two of them I mean, that's what I think is just amazing writing when they can captivate you and make you laugh with just two people at a dining table. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's been noticeable, noticeable about this series is there was that bit at the beginning of the series where you they've slightly lost touch and they've lost a bond because he's in a relationship and she's with the vicar and he's pissed off about the vicar, you know, and all of that. Mm. And you feel a sadness, you mm. know, you really want them to rekindle their love and of course you know they're going to because that's the show but you know there's a sadness when they're mm. not together and when you see them together again there's there's a real purity to their love isn't there it's really sweet also obviously you really get that in the last episode the gnvq mm. at the yeah. end of the series, which is which is brilliant because they you root for both of them and you feel sympathy for both of them and actually they're both sort of harming each other as much as mm. they love each other and they support each other what i think was great about that episode is how Rounded they both are as characters, how flawed they both are. Hmm. That uh, they're completely you know, codependent. Curtin has this opportunity to actually go and do something now, however sort of small it is in the bigger scale of things. Um, and she's selfishly sort of trying to fuck it up for him. <laughs> but also, and then, you don't want he her sort to of, be on her own, do you? you no. don't, like it's you are rooting for both of them. And he sort of sympathy. he then sort of lashes out and you know sort of attacks her for the fact that she doesn't have that ambition and, and sort of has a go at her for her life. And I think that's sort of there's something really great about that and really real about the dynamics of the relationship that it's not just them having a laugh all the time. It's actually sometimes them kind of lashing out at each other. Yeah. And it just gave it that extra depth. I thought that was really... It it is interesting to hear other people say how much you care for it, because I don't know whether I'm clouded because I know Daisy and Charlie, and when I see them fighting on screen, or I see one of them upset, my heart goes out to them. I don't know know whether it's because... Obviously, it isn't because I know them, because to hear you say the same thing... I also feel it does feel a bit like The Office. The Office was a way of... One minute you'd be laughing, next minute you'd be feeling really sorry for somebody. But... They've got a way of doing it that really breaks your heart. I mean, that moment in GMVQ when he, she goes over to Curtin and says, well, good luck, mate, and walks away, but then you just hear a sniffle. Mm. And you think, oh, my God, you know, you just want them. You don't want Curtin to have a future. You want them to just <laughs> be really in the village does. for the next 20 years. <laughs> she, and she's smashing tiles on the floor. Know, yeah. But didn't that look fun? Was I, was I the only one that thought that looked really therapeutic and fun, just tapping them with a brick? I don't know. Again, it's because you're from the Cotswolds. I think it's yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, I watched, we rewatched that episode. I had a dream about tiling. <laughs> Seep into my subconscious. But it's, it's also like the things with um, the dump gang and things like that. It's, it's also yeah. things that we've all grown up with and in the rural communities. We know those sort of um, places. And making dens and things like that. Mm. So, oh, yeah. um, um, Sally, your fa- did you say your favourite episode was Big Mandy? Is there a reason for that? Well, or... I, I mean, I, I love them all, but I suppose I would have to... I, I must say, I really loved episode two of the new series. I loved that episode. Um, it, yeah, it was fantastic. But I suppose overall, the one that's brought me the most joy is Big Mandy. Partly because just... I, 
I, I find it so funny, the thought of being in a position where you literally have no option but to get tattooed. Yeah, and with great tattoos. Because <laughs> someone's going to beat the shit out of you. You could take one prop from this country as a prop. That's it would, it would be It would be man's book of tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> well, once they start rolling out all of the merchandise, that's going to be like a Christmas book, isn't it? That they can sell. It's going to have all these different a uh, coloring book. Like, well, when, it, Big Mandy's coloring yeah. book. When she first that whole scene, you know, when she falls asleep with her eyes open, yeah. and, and prior to that, when they're going through the album, and you know that moment when she says, "That's friends." <laughs> <I just laughs> that's friends. <laughs> yeah. I died the first time I saw that. Just that predicament I can sort of sympathise with because I'm not a very assertive person. I'm quite I'm I'm quite confident that I'm not very assertive and I can totally imagine myself in a position where I would get a massive tattoo from someone really terrifying because I didn't know how to tell them that I definitely didn't want it. Yeah. And and so I suppose that 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 episode makes me feel um hysterical and slightly panicky because I can fully imagine how you'd end up there. And when she's trying to she's trying to rank Curtin into it by trying to get Curtin to have the tattoo. You said you wanted one, didn't you? No. Yeah, that's right. I love the fact that she didn't even say Tasmanian devil. She just went Tasmanian when they said yeah. <laughs> That was the bit that just cracked me up because I love those kind of little bits. It and makes also, no sense. Just yeah. adding on to that is Grant from EastEnders or that bloke from MasterChef <laughs> if you had glasses. Some glasses on him. But yeah. you mentioned episode two of series two, which has just aired here yesterday, so um, yeah. it's online now. And um, I have to say, the physical comedy that Charlie, who plays Kurt, oh, did it was so, so cool. good. Mm. It was amazing. I was so impressed by that. We yeah. were saying that that's too, right. because that's not something we've seen loads of, is it, in no, the country, the all. physical thing. Mm. And we were watching it in bed, and we just became hysterical, didn't we, with giggles. That's great. It was I mean, so it's clever. such a it's sort of classic Lauren Hardy or Chaplin kind it's... of thing, the, the plank going right straight up in his bollocks. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. it, cuts away, but it cuts away to Martin and then cuts back to Curtin with his head stuck between him. <laughs> And it's the way he lifts the wheelbarrow out of the skip and goes, right, there you go. Like, he's actually, he's done it, he's worked it out, and then his mate just goes... Yeah, the triumph. The first bit, this is a really sort of clean slapstick joke of the of the plank. I mean, this sort of classic, you know, it's a classic bit of um, slapstick, but then there's something about the sort of untidiness of the way that resolves. Exactly. It's not, it's not like a big clowning moment at the end of it. It's just that sort of awkwardness of him getting the wheelbarrow off yeah. and just pushing it into the skip and it just being sort of quite anticlimactic. That, but that's <laughs> the funny thing about it. That's always the funny thing, isn't it? The sort of slow... An exceptional kind of climax to it, where he's just sort of a bit stuck yeah. and slowly trying to manoeuvre it. It's funnier than the actual bit where it goes up his crotch. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting um, that you said about Laurel and Hardy. We've both been talking about this, especially with the way um, Kerry will look to the camera and yeah. things like that and the expressions. It's very Laurel and Hardy-esque. We just said that Kerry and Curtin's whole relationship is very Laurel and Hardy in the fact that they are both stupid, but they <laughs> one thinks that they are better than the other one. If you know yeah. if that makes yeah. sense, but seeing that, yeah. yes, as soon as I saw that, I thought it's going to go in his balls, and it's Laurel and Hardy, and I was just waiting for the cuckoo music to start. <laughs> the other brilliant piece of physical comedy in that episode was uh, Kerry as security, uh, Kerry as bouncer. Yes, well, in episode one of the yeah. series. One, uh, sorry, in episode one. Yeah, yeah. When, when she's security, that bit when she's patting down at the grease dump. Yeah. 
it's adopting a bouncer stance. Just the stance and the and the wardrobe. We're obsessed with the wardrobe. Oh, it's yes, brilliant. It's the so costume design is, is perfect, isn't it? It's just all his uh, curtains, no fear T-shirts and everything. Yeah. is perfect. It's just yeah. that it's, it's the little nuances as well. I mean, I, I watched episode one a couple of days ago again and when he she's when she's talking to the vicar and saying that she's going to check out for like drugs and stuff and she just flicks a finger at these two old women that are waiting to pay you know you've got to watch these druggies and i just i didn't notice it the first time but it's just those little nuances that are fantastic and the other thing i saw on twitter today somebody said that we should get big mandy to uh negotiate brexit for us because she's really good <laughs> nobody says nothing to her so she should do it Who's the psychopath? <laughs> oh, yeah, the extraordinary yeah. hearing. <laughs> oh, you just got to love it. And it was, we were talking just a minute ago about the fact that you can go from really funny to really sad. The thing with slugs and the drink. Oh, yeah. One minute you're pissing oh, yourself yeah. laughing, and then when you see slugs walk, walk away, it's heartbreaking. He looks really, really heartbroken. And yeah. Curtin doesn't want to do it. No, does he? no. Knows it's shit. He knows it's a really shit thing to do. The best bit better that scene for me was martin saying go knock the drink out of that woman's hand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think he's uh, again um paul cooper their dad is a revelation as martin mcclough you'd never believe that he hasn't acted like before. properly before there's, there's a touch of talking about the office there's a touch of finchy about him i think absolutely in, especially in this last episode mm. that horrible sort of pub bully personality and people the power of, relationships the power is, of it know, yeah and, and people trying people mm. trying to make him like them even though they know he's a rotter it's sort of, you know because they're just kind of a bit scared of him and they know that life is easier when he likes them yeah and that old, that he, he's horrible yeah and all his stories are bullshit and he's trying to make him yeah. look good and as soon as you say one bad thing to him he goes off in a mood that's very finchy very finchy yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we, obviously you mentioned the mother earlier on, and um, as you probably know, Daisy does the voice for that, and I yeah. think that's a revelation as well. The way she does that voice—it was for me because it took me. I didn't I, know well, for yeah. ages, <laughs> even though she mentioned no, I, it. We did that first. I think we, I watched a couple of them. I think before we looked that up, and then I love—I love an unseen character. I—I mm. I love like Beverly Macker in the royal family. Whatever, like you don't ever want to see those. Um, people in Maris or whatever in Fraser. I think that it's brilliant to have an unseen character because you you build up such a picture. In my in my head, she looks slightly like Mrs. Chawner. That's exactly what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, can you remember the You're Chawners? Familiar with the Chawners? The Chawners. No, I'm not. No. The reality show family. I can't remember what their first thing was that they were on. They were they were on loads of sort of reality TV. Mum and dad back and two daughters, day. and they were on oh, a sort of weight loss program. The, and... the, I tell you what, they were on. The girl was on X Factor. She auditioned on X Factor, and then the country oh, became obsessed right. with them. And the two from... sisters did but together. Where are they I think, from? Didn't they? Are they and from... they started fighting on stage together. I think that was it. Oh, oh I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and then they sort of became. Now I I slightly mm. imagine. Kerry's mum when she met his Mrs. Chawner. exactly Chorna. what I picture. That's kind of what I imagine. But, but yeah. harder. Google the Chawners afterwards and you'll see exactly what we mean. Right. <laughs> but, but harder because she's a good fighter. Isn't she? she is. And a touch of meatloaf as well because didn't, uh, was it, yeah. wasn't it, um, Curtin says that she looks like meatloaf, so. A meatloaf tribute act. <laughs> meatloaf tribute act. Putting <laughs> <laughs> on the sandals. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, as the, as they're the two characters, Carrie and Curtin, then where would you like to see them go if you had your way? What would you like to see them up to in their adventures? Oh, I just it 
it's that thing where you kind of you don't want to mess with it because you, I don't want them to do too much. I don't want them to leave the the village. I you know it's always risky, isn't it, when you take a sitcom out of its natural. Mm. Environment like yeah. that. I never liked I don't it. Want in to go to Benidorm. Yeah, right. like- we've said that same thing. That we that's a natural thing for British sitcoms is that they they have a a movie where they're off to Benidorm or they go on holiday somewhere, isn't it? I didn't like the royal family in the caravan, and no. I didn't like it when Cheers used to leave the bar unless they were upstairs in the restaurant. I didn't like. I I didn't want them going to another to never go to the second location. Is a good rule of thumb. So I I wouldn't like them to go too far. Like I liked them in the um in the in in the hall at the dance this week. That's all fine, but I don't really want them to leave the village. <laughs> the prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> going to take them down and uh, bring them back. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, more, more of their immediate environment yeah, is, is yeah. fine. But, yes, uh, it is difficult because you don't really want their circumstances to change. I'd like um, to see them around Christmas time. I've just got this impression that Kerry would be really excited. I don't know. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a good shout. Like, yeah, I'd be up for that. I'd be up for for Christmas. I like it when you see them at the fates and uh, and when they're going through. The, I like the different locations within the village, but I I wouldn't want it to get to to leave the village because you sort of you need that slightly claustrophobic. But then, and the brilliant thing about this country is it looks so lovely mm. and feels quite oppressive. Yeah. And I think I think that's a really good. Um, that's a really good balance, the comedy of it. Well, the other thing is that, that when they spoke in, I think it was GMVQ, that to them, glamour is having a flat in Stroud. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so their little enclosed life, their bubble that they're in, and, and I said this on our last episode, that I find it really touching that Kerry says, well, why don't you want to just stay here and do nothing? Because yeah. yeah. for me, that's really sweet, that she is doing what she wants to do. She is living her life she wants to live and she doesn't understand why Curtin wants to go off and do yeah, something different. She says, she says, doesn't she, we've got a pub and a shop. Exactly. What more <laughs> do you need? What more do you need? Which was really nice to see the interior of the Keepers this week. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where was that shot? Do you know where that it's was It's the pub next to the shop that we went to oh, in was North it? Leach. Yeah. But that's not called the Keepers. No, it's it? not. I can't remember what it is called. Okay. Lovely pub as it is. Indeed, <laughs> we should pop in there yeah, next she, time. She does love it, doesn't she? She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to go anywhere. She doesn't want to go further afield. No. It's so hard though because you want Curtin to go because you know in his heart of hearts he does want to go, but you don't want Kerry to be left alone, and that's the that's the push pull of it. That's what makes it so sort of poignant, I think. Indeed, indeed. Right before we carry on, we've got a little bit of a quiz. We're going to pit you two together uh, oh. or against each other, I should say. Uh, we're going to play Kerry or Curtin. Okay, I'm okay. going to give you a line of dialogue, and then you have to tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtin. Oh, okay. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Ladies okay. first. Okay, then, Sally. Right, you've got five. Okay, are you ready? Okay. Here's your first one. Don't film him. He's a twat. He's a bellend. Was that Kerry or Curtin? Curtin. It was Kerry. Oh, Okay. You can say fuck if you want. That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> Don't worry, it's fine. It last second. Okay, number two. You only go in there to nick stuff. Oh, that's Curtin to Kerry. That is Curtin. Well done. Number three. Yeah, Nugget scares me sometimes. Um, That's uh, Curtin. Well done. That is Curtin. Uh, number four. Down there is Karate Club. 
Um, I think that's Kerry. It is Kerry. Well done. And number five, that looks like a dog sniffing a bum hole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I laughed at that the other night. I think it's uh, Kerry. It's Curtin talking about Kerry's... Talking about Kerry's uh, tattoo. tattoo. on her oh, back. of course, of course. So the howling that's three there. That's three. Right then, Dan. You've got a chance now. You've got a chance to win. Are you ready? I got four. I would have got four on Sally. Oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing the Popmaster thing where they, you know, sort of say, well, your questions were easier. <laughs> getting naught on my own. Right, right are you on. ready? Yeah. Here, here we go. Number one. That's your PlayStation she just smashed. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Pressure's on, they see. Uh, no, now the spotlight's on me. Indeed. Ooh, wait a minute. That's your face. Uh, oh, blank now. <laughs> it is curtain. Well done. Number one, uh, number two. There can't be too many bulls because they'll ruin it. There can't be too many what? Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you say repeat that? Kerry. It was Kerry. Counter. Yes, it was Kerry, yes. Uh number three. Right, have you learnt the script? You could cut the atmosphere with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> Kerry. It was Kerry. Number four. While you're stabbing me in the back, feel free to bend down and kiss me on the ass. <laughs> I remember that scene so well. I love that scene. I can't remember. No, that, that sounds really familiar now. I can't remember the context. I hope uh, nobody just walks in while I yeah. say that. They might be wondering what the hell's going on. <laughs> Kerry says it to the vicar, does she not? Are you, uh, are you no, answering yeah, for it? Ah, I, I'll have to give that one to Sally then. Uh, that yeah. is right, it's Kerry. Uh, and number five, I want ownership of the words fucknut and dick milk. <laughs> oh, now which way round? <laughs> This is to win, isn't it? Is this to win? Yeah, well, this sort would of. be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is Curtin! Absolutely. Oh. Well, I would say it was a draw because Sally did poach one there. I think it's a, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say it's a draw. Already, no, when I, I, poached I got that one wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. He'd already said Curtin when I correct. There you go then. Well that, was, well, that was fun, wasn't it? It was fun. It was a lot there of fun. You go. Uh, so, so what are you looking forward to? Um, what would you like the characters to be doing uh, in the future of this series? Is there anything that you'd like to see them do? Um, I'd like to see more of uh, Kerry and Martin together. Okay. Because yeah. the flight simulator episode, the peeping episode, um, is another one of my favourites. And mm. that, that it was so, the sort of pathos of that storyline when she's left to fly to Australia on her own is um, was amazing, I think. So I'd like to see more of their relationship. Um, their relationship won't develop because he obviously doesn't really give a shit about her and no. she massively gives a shit about him. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like to see more of them together, I think. I'd like to see more of uh, Curtin being wronged, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's when he's at his best, when he's just feels massively affronted. Situations where he's hugely affronted. And just Rob sort of Robinson. Goes, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. Frustrated, don't you? you uh, like frustrated Curtin is, is great. I think um, Charlie does that brilliantly. That He just expresses that sort of frustration. Rob Robinson's a good example of it. When he's yeah. going through a list of things, the reasons you should remember him. And she's but watching he does that the loaf, really well. She's watching the loaf bake, isn't she, That's on the app? <laughs> 
<laughs> loafofbread.com. Yeah. Well, also, we saw it in the first episode of the second series when he finally gets back with the vicar and they're playing um, golf. And then he finds out the crest is dead. The way he yeah. hurls that golf club, <laughs> yeah, it's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, absolutely... I, think, I didn't think that the vicar would have told the camera that the crest had died. I think it should have been Kerry who just said, did you tell him about the crest? I think that would have been... That was my only complaint with that episode because I don't think the vicar would have said it to the camera. No. It's my controversial viewpoint. (laughs) (laughs) I think Kerry just would have said, did you say about the crest? And that would have been enough. Yeah, yeah. So um, what about you guys? What's next for you guys? What have you got coming up? Just, like, loads of telly. (laughs) 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 Loads of telly. Uh, I um, I've just finished working on a second series of Harry Hill's Alien Fun Capsule. Right, which, I, have to, uh, I have to say, what is it? What is it like? It, it must be. Is it fun or is it tiresome working in that kind of environment? Because it's just mad, isn't it? How, how... It's great. I mean, I've worked with Harry for about fifteen years now. We did TV Burt and we've done uh, Tea Time on Sky, and I've done a I've written a radio sitcom that he's in. We've done this. So I've done like loads of different things with him, and it's always great because if you write for a presenter who's just a presenter, you're sort of you've got to sort of accept that if you've written something funny, it's probably going to lose something between you writing it and and an audience hearing it. Um, but if you write for a writer performer, somebody who's naturally funny, it's kind of the opposite thing. I know with Harry, I can give him something that's slightly half formed. And he'll make it better, and he'll make me look better. Uh, so that's like a joy. It's just pleasure working with him because he'll take. If something's not going to work, it's not going to work. If something might work, uh, he'll make it better. So on both counts, he sort of makes me look better. <laughs> um, and it's no, it's great. It's great working with him. And Fun Capsule is a really good fun <laughs> show to do because it's there's sort of no format. It's kind of Harry in his ultimate form in a way that it's. Um, it looks like it's a panel game. We get some celebrities on. We do it. It looks like it's going to be any one of those sort of panel games, but there's not really any rounds. Right. Any proper stuff. It's just sort of messing around with a bit like we used to do a TV bird with archive and things like that. Um, so it's really good fun. Excellent. And I'm just doing the usual stuff. So I've got um, a column in Empire, film column in Empire, and every month. And my column in the pool every week and Guardian Weekend every week and next book on the go and yeah i mean everything has to fall behind our telly schedule really doesn't everything it? is shaped around <laughs> see look you're living the dream just like kerry you see everything's very simplistic as yeah. long as the tv is there it doesn't matter about everything else yeah. so what, what's your other must-see show after this country which is obviously the top must-see show what is your next must-see show so the other show where i get really upset when a series finishes and i'm clucking for the next one like i am with this country is broad city i really love broad city um, I, I, but it's quite similar in a way. It's that sort of real love between two friends and um, two sort of, slackers. Two slackers, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I really love Broad City. And what else do we like? Uh, and I loved, I love Twenty Four Hours in Police Custody. Is that wrong? Right. I love that. <laughs> no, it's a strong, very strong series of that at the moment. What else do we love? What we've seen. I'm really looking forward like. to Love coming back to Netflix. Oh, oh absolutely! Yeah. But it's the final one. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, the yeah. I, I, days, I think that comes back. Friday, I very, yeah. I very much enjoyed, or we very much enjoyed Derry Girls, which, um, yeah. again, because it had a warmth about it and an authenticity about it that this country has. Mm. I 
there are it's more this country's more laugh out loud than Dairy Girls, but I found Dairy Girls charming and warm um and authentic and I think they had that thing in common. But yeah. Broad City and this and you country could tell in my real also with Dairy Girls that you could tell it was based on real experience. And again, it's that thing about relatability. You don't have to be a schoolgirl in nineteen nineties uh dairy to relate to what's going on in dairy girls because those sort of things are universal in the same way that i think a lot of the stuff in yeah. this country is universal and this country and dairy girls share that thing where where there is an affectionate piss taking of a place that's not patronizing or snarly or snobby it's a real kind of warm affectionate authentic experience and i yeah. I, I like that I suppose because where I come from lots of people sort of take the piss when you say you're Welsh and and you have this and you're probably the same you have this situation where you feel immensely proud and defensive of where you come from while being really open-eyed to its shortcomings absolutely frustration and that's kind of that's how I feel so I I I get that about this country because I constantly feel like that about where I came from I don't know if that applies to Newcastle's. Well, well, I don't have to. <laughs> I am posh. People believe that I'm from, people from the South assume that, uh, but anyone in Newcastle will have to talk like that. There you go. So far, <laughs> they didn't believe that I come from Newcastle. You know what I mean? I've like that the whole time. But you can't, when you come down south, you kind of talk like that the whole time because new bugger understands what you're talking about. You sorry, I mean? sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah. I, I missed, I didn't, exactly. get, didn't get a word of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. It's been nice just to chinwag with with fans of this country. It it's is. Been it's lovely. been awesome. It's been really yeah. nice. Very, very welcome. Thank you. Just uh, yeah, if you just hold on a second, and I'll just go through a bit of uh, um, housekeeping. housekeeping. We do have another Patreon uh, donator. So Kim Peniston uh, has donated five dollars a month, which oh, is very fantastic. nice. So we will get her. Um, I can't remember who it was she asked for. We'll get her autographed postcard out to her and all the other gubbins, uh, and also a shout out to. No, I've got to say this right. Posteritty.com. Itty. Posteritty. 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 Oh, well, that's P O S T E R I T Y. They do these minimalist posters, which have been on. Um, Twitter and stuff. They've done one for each episode of this country. Well, they're very kindly going to give us a couple of sets that we're going to give away on a future episode. So, uh, at Poster Itty, P-O-S-T-E-R-I-T-T-Y. That's it. Oh, yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> because we want to. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Yeah, come and follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WTAF This Country. Uh, email us, uh, what is it? WTAF This Country at hotmail.com. Uh, that's it. And you can go to our website, pancast.co.uk, yes. for all our other podcasts. Yeah, and come and subscribe to us on on uh, Apple Podcasts and all that. Thank you very much again, uh, Sally and Dan. It's been so oh, much yeah. fun. Posterity. Is it supposed to sound like posterity? I think it is, but it's got, it's got two T's. Two T's. Maybe, no, I, maybe I should have said it like that. Posterity is called posterity. Yeah, I should have said posterity with two T's. Maybe, maybe instead of going posterity. I mean, no, no, I'm speculating. It's, it's, yeah, I think you're right. But they do posters, so I think they're trying to do a play on words. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be so much easier than me yeah. spending ten minutes trying to work out how to say it. each letter. <laughs> God, I'm embarrassing. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, thank you very much, guys. It's been yes, a real pleasure. Thank you, to Sally and Dan. You. It's been yeah, absolutely brilliant. Fun. Thank you. And thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And go and get plumbed, you fuckers. <laughs> Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. 
This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? If you could just say something your end, just so I can make sure we're picking you up. Good evening. Good evening. Tomato! <laughs> Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.